Oh, it's just so good. I love, um, you know, obviously we're in the second service, but, you know, you had that read, and then I got to preach that, and then you have it read. It's just so helpful. So I guess I encourage you, after the service, just go back and read that again. It just is, it just doesn't get old. It's so good. Okay. Well, a couple other things I want to throw at you. Um, two retreats coming. The ladies' retreat is this coming weekend, and so that'll be in Gainesville. I just want to encourage you ladies. A um, number of you have already signed up. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and then also community, the gospel on display. That's in about six weeks. That'll be in Orlando uh, with Grace Partnership. Listen, for both of these conferences, hear me. Like the content's going to be really good, but the fellowship is going to be really good. And so it's, 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 it's one of those things where you're like, okay, am I going for the content or am I going for the fellowship? And the answer is yes. Like you want to, it's not just about what you're going to hear. It's the time that we get to spend together when we get out of our local community. Um, it's just so rich. So I want to encourage you towards that. Let's go ahead and pray, and as I do, um, Jen, would you mind standing? Uh, This is Jen's last Sunday with us, and so um, Jen is moving back to Pennsylvania, and uh, before we pray, I just want to thank you, Jen. You have been an amazing sister in the Lord, and just a wonderful, just from day one, that you came to this church and then joined this church, you've just been all in. And we are grateful for you. And so we want to pray for you and send you off well. So, yeah. Father God, we thank you for Jen. We thank you for his heart, for her heart, um, as she has reached out to so many. Lord, um, we thank you for her heart for uh, just being a student of your word. Thank you for her heart, Lord, for the church and how she has just so engaged. Lord, thank you for her heart for the gospel. Lord, thank you for her heart for the truths about who you are, Lord. And Lord, though we will dearly miss her, Lord, we ask that you would bless her. We want to... Well, ultimately, Lord, you are sending her. We, we want to come behind you, Lord, and send her well, Lord God. And uh, though um, we send her off and it is our loss, Lord, it is not a loss to your kingdom. And it is a great gain for her next church. So, Lord, we just pray that you would bless her in that community and uh, bless her as she continues to, to school. Um, and uh, educate, Lord, please just care for her, provide for her in every way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And bless the preaching of your word. Amen. We love you, Jan. Well, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so kind of wanted to start off with a little bit, a thought or two from Martin Luther. Um, one it would be just if you could summarize Martin Luther's life message into four words, it would be this, I am a man. People are not a color, people are not a property, people are fellow human beings. And so he said, quote, there are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from treble white to base black is significant on God's keyboard. Don't you love that? Precisely because every man is made in the image of God. One day we will learn that. We will know one day that God made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. A survey regarding the 2016 election said that 40% of Americans blame 2016 for the damaging of a close relationship. I only wonder what the surveys will say about 2020. More and more we hear of close friends or relatives who no longer relate with each other because politics have divided these once close relationships. 2020, 
the year where a young person would shame his parents or her parents, or a parent would shame son or daughter on social media. One of the stated purposes of Facebook is this. Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Yeah, <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> how we doing? <laughs> ben Sauce, not sure how to say his, pronounce his last name, but Senator in Nebraska said, quote, more technology makes the world smaller. But that doesn't mean that when we're pressed together, we'll hug. Rather than a hug, there's a war. Question for us, Trinity, is should our view of human dignity affect how we interact with people in 2021? What do these verses that I'm going to read to you here in a second what do they mean to a Christian in a social media world? What does it mean to a Christian in a 2020 election world that we find ourselves in? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. James, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Again, James, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Colossians 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Ephesians, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. First Peter, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Imagine Peter, early Peter, early on Peter. Imagine if he had a Twitter feed. It'd be a mess. Peter, the guy who confronted Jesus. Peter, the guy who chopped off the soldier's ear. We are called to love our neighbor, including our digital neighbor. I'm called to see that person that I'm disagreeing with, the person who is a idiot and cannot drive, the employee, the employer, the customer, the elderly, the poor, the weak, all created in the image of God, and that shouts human dignity. Rather than crush the person who's on the other side of the coffee table or the other side of the screen with my powerful perspectives that I learned last night while reading one article, <laughs> rather than destroying them with my mind or in my mind, we are called to love them and respect them we are called to humility and kindness and gentleness and self-control, to name a few. We too easily see avatars on the screen. Avatars were not created in the image of God. People are. So we wrap up our three weeks in Philemon. We will continue our series on Dignity Restored for a couple more weeks, but we wrap up this little letter. And though it is little, it's not insignificant. So point number one this morning, we actually need to go backward. Last week, we only had a little bit of time to cover verse 15, so I want to just kind of introduce this week 
by going backwards to verse 15, where it says, for this perhaps is why he was parted. This is perhaps why Onesimus has departed from Philemon, is what he's saying. It's why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. And I just want to call on us, or I want to encourage us. Do you have a for this perhaps category? For departures. For the guy who perhaps, or the gal who perhaps has wronged you and offended you and has departed from you, that as I read this, for this perhaps, I want to I wanna say, well, the, what I named the point, God is in the mess of that. God is in the mess of that relationship where that individual has departed from you or offended you or even wronged you. Again, the point of the letter, what we said last week, the point of the letter isn't that Philemon is, well, he's right. There's nothing in the letter that gives us any indication that Philemon's done anything wrong. And when we start to make that the point, we miss the point. It's, the point isn't that you're right in that disagreement. And that person who's left you or departed you is wrong in that disagreement. The point is, is that the gospel calls us to forgiveness. And that's amazing. This little letter, it's probably more glorious than we see. It's more amazing than what first meets the eye. For this, perhaps, Paul says, and I'm saying to us, we all need that category in our lives. For this, perhaps. Perhaps God is up to something more in this relationship, in this departure, in this pain. Perhaps something more is going on than just simply this person has wronged you. While this whole event, to Philemon, from Philemon's perspective, this whole event seems completely out of control, it's not out of control. This is important because we're not guaranteed to see the big picture or the whole picture. It's really kind of cool. You read this and you go, wow, Philemon gets to see the big picture. He gets to hear from Paul that for, for this perhaps, meaning the, the perhaps that he's speaking of is Onesimus is going to, well, he fled from you. And he probably, it's speculation, but he probably stole from you. And when he ran from you, he ran into Paul. And when he ran into Paul, he ran into Christ, and now he's converted. He's not only an image bearer, but he's also a redeemed image bearer. And so for this, perhaps, he has fled from you to run into me where he will run into him. Because, as we said last week, Paul ran from Christ, and when he ran from Christ, he ran into Christ. For this, perhaps, he fled from you. For this, perhaps, he departed from you. For this, perhaps, he stole from you and ran away and ran into Christ. And isn't that, like, is it, isn't that to be in our hearts a glory be to God moment? My enemy, the guy who's offended me, the guy who clearly um, is, re it's really difficult to forgive, read the letter. Paul's making a strong case for forgiveness, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. For this, perhaps, can we praise God for this departure? Even if, you see, Philemon gets to see the big picture. Um, we're not guaranteed that. Right? We're not guaranteed that we get to see the big picture, that someone's going to come back to you and say, praise be to God, I got saved. But can we trust the Lord in the, for this perhaps moment, that God is in the mess? That Onesimus the slave has become Onesimus, your brother in the Lord. Number two, if then. Paul gives us two if-then statements beginning in verse 17. And verse 17 is the key to the whole letter. If you unlock verse 17, you get the letter. 
So, if you consider me your partner, insert then, then receive him as you would receive me. Remember the three people that we're talking about here. We're talking about the once proud Pharisee. Just think of the difference of backgrounds here. A once proud Pharisee, he's educated, he's somebody, a landowner, slave owner, and a slave, a lowly slave. Three very different individuals, three individuals who come from very different backgrounds, same gospel, same savior, same redemption, different circumstances. Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 2021, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. He could continue his list. Here, there is not proud Pharisee, and there is not landowner, and there is not lowly slave, but all is, is Christ is all and in all. Excuse me. Because this is who you are. If you're redeemed in Christ here this morning, Christ is all and in all. They, we are raised with Christ. That, that's their identity. The identity is no longer Pharisee, landowner, la- uh, slave owner, or slave. The, the identity for these three is you're in Christ. Your identity this morning. Whatever your background, whatever your education, whatever your status, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white, you are all in Christ. That's what the life in Christ does. It's not some little transformation that Paul is bringing to us. It is a radical transformation. It is a complete inside-out transformation. Raised in Christ, you're no longer this, you're that. It puts all three different backgrounds, different education, different wealth status, same Savior. We could say it puts all three in the same house. Literally, if they were all living, Philemon is in, in Colossae, If all three were living in Colossae, all three would be in Philemon's house. The church that meets in your house is how he began the letter. They would all be there, all from very different backgrounds because they are all now in Christ. So he says in verse 16, he says, no longer as a bondservant, Philemon's not that, but more than a bondservant, a beloved brother, he's that, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You're no longer that. In other words, he's telling Philemon, you need to have a different set of eyes. You no longer look at him like you once looked at him. He says in verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, That word partner there in the original language is the word koinonia. So if you consider me your fellowship, so if if you consider me we are in relationship, it's the same, remember when we said back in verse number six on the first week, look back to verse six, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Remember what we said about that? That that sharing of your faith isn't an evangelistic sharing your faith. We think when we hear, oh, we need to share our faith. We do need to share our faith. It's just not what Paul's talking about here. 
when he says that the uh, that the I pray that the sharing of your faith, what he's praying for, that word sharing is the word koinonia. He's praying for the fellowship of the faith, the relationship of the faith. He's praying for his community group. He's praying for Philemon, um, Onesimus. You have this sharing of the faith now. You have this relationship. And so, so back to verse 17. So if you consider me your koinonia, if you consider me your partner, your relationship, your fellowship, then receive him as you would receive me. This is risky for Philemon to receive him. That's not how you do things in Roman culture, first century. This is not only risky for Philemon, but it's risky, it's costly for Paul. Paul will say, we'll read in a moment, that if he owes you anything, I cover the costs. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. I think it begs the question, so Philemon, if Paul showed up at your door, how would you receive him? Whatever that looks like, receive him like that. Now that's important, right? Because, because we've got a category for receiving Paul. Or we've got a category for someone that, you know, spiritually speaking, maybe is a mentor to you, maybe is somebody that's, you know, brought leadership to you and discipleship to you and somebody you greatly respect. But I dare say everybody who's a believer in the room's got people like that, that we would say, wow, if they showed up at our door, welcome. But that's not Anisimus. Onesimus is the lowly slave who stole from me and has offended me and ran away from me. And Paul's saying, yes, but he's your brother now. And so however you would receive me, receive him like that. Philemon to Paul, we're brothers. No problem receiving Paul. Not so sure about this Onesimus guy. So Paul writes to the Romans towards the end of that letter, Romans 15, 7. And he says this, therefore, welcome one another or receive one another as Christ has welcomed you or received you for the glory of God. Listen, church, this is radical. We can just kind of breeze past these words. What Paul writes to Philemon, receive him as you would receive me, in the original language, it's the same word that he uses to the Romans, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Same verb, both times. It means accept him, receive him, welcome him. This is not, when Anisimus comes, endure him. It's not open the door and kind of bear with it for a few days while he's there in your house. This is not put up with him. This is not a token welcome him. This is a heartfelt, genuine, gospel-driven, welcome that man as Christ has welcomed you. You have been welcomed by Christ. Welcome, Onesimus. God has welcomed me. Here's our problem. But I can't welcome that guy. Because you just don't understand that guy. The offense against me is just too much. It's too great. Did you know he stole from me? He literally stole from me. I, I just can't get to the place, can't wrap my head around welcoming that guy. Paul, no problem. This guy, not so much. And so what Paul's doing is he's saying, look, you, you are to welcome him because Christ has welcomed you. You are that guy. 
you are probably worse than that guy. Verse 17 is so very radical. You know, forgiveness can require more than something we just say. We think of forgiveness as just something we speak or something that we mentally get, you know, we kind of get our head wrapped around. I've forgiven them. But so often, forgiveness is also something we're called to do. There's not just, it's not just Paul saying, you know, Anesimus is coming and I want you to verbally say that you forgive him, but I'm going to actually give you some things to do. You're to do this, welcome him, treat him in a certain way, the way that you would treat me. So is the gospel something we speak or is the gospel something we live? The answer is yes. Is the gospel something we proclaim or is the gospel something we demonstrate? It's both. We are to speak the truths of the kingdom of God, but we're also to live a life that ought to look a lot different than this world. Jesus came not only with good words, but he came with good deeds. And part of what made the Christian life compelling while living in Rome, and I would argue what makes the Christian life compelling while living in our Rome, is this regard for human dignity. While Rome found no dignity in people, people were disposable. Sound anything like our culture? The church in the first century spoke and lived a salty life in that culture. didn't look like the world. Daniel Darling writes, historically, it's been God's people who have established hospitals, built and staffed medical missions, and championed the rights of people who are being oppressed. A church that moves toward the vulnerable, using its power and influence on behalf of those who have seen their dignity ignored or denied, becomes a powerful witness to the nature and reality of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us. Verse 18, here's another if then. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. <laughs> it's not just costly for Paul to call on Philemon to forgive, but it's costly to Paul to call on Philemon to forgive. Like, there's just easier ways to do Christian living, right? Like, we, so, we are so tempted to find the path of least resistance. What's the easiest way for me to read my Bible? What's the easiest way for me to go about this? Or what's the easiest way to do discipleship? The, the, the call of the Christian is not to find the easiest path. Because if we're looking for the easiest path, then we might as well cut Philemon out of our New Testaments. It's not an easy path. It's not an easy path for, for, for Philemon, and it's not an easy path for Paul. Paul can crumble up the letter and say, I don't want to do that. But instead, he says, Philemon, you don't need to have any concerns about this guy, Onesimus. If there's any debt, see, in this culture, restitution was a part of reconciliation. So if there's any debt, it's not ignore the debt. It's I've got that covered. Whatever that is, whatever that's going to amount to, I will cover it. Onesimus has no means to repay Philemon, Paul says, no problem, I have it covered, put it on my account, I am personally going to own this, I am personally removing any obstacle, any barrier, anything that might stand in the way of your welcome towards him. Church, Christ 
did not let any barrier, anything stand in the way of his welcome of us. The wages of sin is death. What we've earned for our sin, the payment for sin is death. And so Christ went to the cross to pay our account, to say, I have it all covered for him, for her, for that guy, for that gal. I cover it all because restitution was part of reconciliation. And so before the Father, he's got it covered. Why is Christ hanging on the cross? Because we are sinners deserving death. What we've earned for our sin is that death. Christ came to die in our place, to pay the price that our sins deserve. Praise be to God, because he paid the price our sins deserved, we are now welcomed by the Father. Praise God. Amen. Christ paid our debt. Christ, like, you see, the gospel is not explained in Philemon. It's not the book of Romans. The gospel is on display in the book of Philemon. Like you can't read what Paul's saying here without going, oh, Christ did that. Infinitely more than what Paul's offering to do here. And so it's because of the gospel that then Paul is calling on not simply Philemon, but all of us, forgiveness isn't something that we just say, but he's calling on something for us to do. And that's painful. I said last week, it's a death at times. Christ paid my debt. He charged it to his account. So we are... We are redeemed sinners. We know what it is to be on that side of the equation. Onesimus. He's got a debt that he owes to Philemon. He's got no means to pay it. How's Onesimus? He's got no societal standing. He's got no status. He's a runaway slave. If he's caught, he's either imprisoned or beaten or both. It's not like in our day that he's just going to take some side jobs and start to save up some money and he's going to be able to go back to his former owner and say, here, I'm going to pay you back. No, this, he's got no means to pay his debt. That's you and I before Christ. And Christ steps in and says, I will pay his debt before the Father, the Father welcomes you. And so in light of that welcome, he's saying, Onesimus, or Philemon, welcome Onesimus into your home. Wow. Paul's living the gospel right here. That's Philemon. Number three, refresh my heart. He says in verse 20, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. I love Paul's Boldness. <laughs> I want some benefit from you. <laughs> it gets better. We'll read it in a minute. He says, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than that, even more than I say. That's the grace we want to live in right there. It's one thing for us to do what we ought to do or do what we know we need to do. It's another thing to do even more. <laughs> the kids are having a good time. Amen. Yeah. It's more than Onesimus, uh, uh, Philemon, sorry, keep getting confused. It's more than Philemon, forgive him. It's embrace him like a brother, as a partner, as an equal, because you're both in Christ. 
It's, it's more than just a mental, I forgive you. It's, it's it, oh, wow, he's just calling, he's just tugging on that thread of our hearts. Make the slave, Philemon, your equal. That's what verse 16 says. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Make him your brother. Make the slave your equal, Philemon. Take the one who's wronged you and welcome him. What a risk I'm thinking of Philemon right now because he doesn't know. How do you know? Well, at best, Paul's just gonna say, I've got it covered. But you don't know. Trinity. God give us this kind of heart. This kind of gospel heart. I want to say to you, refresh my heart. Pastorally speaking, refresh my heart. Trinity, that within this building, this physical building, refresh my heart. That within our hearts, that this church would become a growing collection of people who ought not to be seen together, culturally speaking. Societally speaking, that guy and that guy should not be seen together, hanging out, talking like they're talking, enjoying fellowship and relationship. Don't you know that guy's background and that guy's background? They don't mix, but they do here because they're both in Christ here. That this would be a growing people of Christ where the disabled, the severely disabled, the disfigured joins with the elite athlete. The disfigured joins with the beautiful, the wealthy with the poor, the black with the white, the stroller next to the walker. Nine months and then Born, nine months, and then death joined together in the same building. The tattoo with the suit and tie. The teenager with the elderly. Refresh my heart. Let's be that church. Where there is this wide Range, a wide gathering of people who, if you looked at them, you would think, What? Why? What's the commonality there? They're in Christ. They're in Christ. <coughs> what am I doing? What are you doing? to make that more than a nice sentiment and more of a reality. Again, Daniel Darling writes, it is easy for me to advocate on behalf of the vulnerable outside my window, to be stirred by the images I see on social media, to fire off a tweet, to even write a check to a worthy organization. It's much harder for me to love the person next to me in the pew on a Sunday. But it starts there. It's much harder for me to embody servant-hearted love in the way I treat those who work under me and around me. It's much harder for me to celebrate ordinary faithfulness rather than gravitate toward the famous, the beautiful, and the talented. Number four, prepare a room, verse 22. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. 
The letter began in friendship. It began personal. Do you remember? Paul, prisoner to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. It is a personal short letter. It is a relational letter. You could say, you know, the beginning and the end are filled with endearment. These are no token words. This is Paul, I love you, brother. Prepare a guest room for me. I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. I'm hoping, he's hoping, we're gonna spend some time together in the near future. Because this is his beloved brother. And it ends with a list of names. They're not just some splattering of names, just, you know, this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. At some point, most likely, Paul is writing this letter and Epaphras, he's there, he's his fellow prisoner. He, he's sending his greetings to you too. Like that's, that's, that would be us in our day saying, tell him I said hi. Like I miss that guy. And Paul's writing him a letter. So Epaphras sends greetings to you too and so do Mark. Mark, the guy who... Paul didn't want on his mission team. The Barnabas argued for, and it created this sharp disagreement between the two of them. But Mark and Paul, clearly they're reconciled because Mark, what, has he been visiting him? What does this look like? We don't know, but Mark is aware that this letter is going out, and so Mark sends his greetings as well. It's a beautiful picture in and of itself. Aristarchus, Luke, fellow workers, faithful friends, guys that have shared some life together in first century Rome, living as a Christian under all of that persecution. All these guys, they send their greetings to you. Imagine the stories that just these few guys could share with us. It's a list of genuine friends who have history. And then there's one more name on the list. Demas. What do we know about Demas? He's mentioned by Paul a number of times, but towards the end of Paul's life, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he writes, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In love with this present world. Wow, you know, the Bible is not a Hallmark movie. It often doesn't end well. All wrapped up nice and tidy. The snow is falling. The kiss happens. And it's all just lovely and wonderful. Now, Demas here is mentioned positively, but we know later Demon Demas will fall in love with this world and desert Paul. I just appeal to you, don't be that guy in love with this world. In love with this world. He closes, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now here's what's important about verse 25. The word you're there, it's plural. Most of the book is you singular. But there are a few places where it's you plural. So I'll read it like a good Southerner. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with y'all. He started it, the letter, right? It's not just to Philemon. In verse number two, he says, um, you know, he's listing the names. Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. He's greeting the church in your house. He's, it's plural. The letter is for Philemon, but the letter is for plural you. The letter was for the church that was in his house, but the letter is for you today. That's the glory of God's word, that it wasn't just for those original 
hearers, readers, audience, the letter is still just as much for us today as it was for us, for them then. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And Justin, if you could join me. <laughs> the grace be with you all. All of you reading that letter in that church that meets in Philemon's house and all of you reading the letter today, all of you on the live stream. It's a personal letter, but it's not a private letter. It includes terms of endearment towards Philemon personally, but it's not privately. Imagine as Philemon wrestles with what's, what the contents of this letter is, probably read it in private first, and now I need to bring this to the church that meets in my house, which means he probably has some level of leadership in, and now I need to read this. Talk about accountability. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. <laughs> Refresh my heart in Christ. And the whole church looks at him, says, what are you going to do, pal? <laughs> Let's not settle for a lesser community than what God's called us to, than what the gospel calls us to. The gospel calls us to much more. Would you stand with me? And rather than just ending talking about it, let's sing about these truths. Also, before you start singing, keep the live stream going, please, guys. A few thoughts for you on the live stream, a few thoughts for us. So please stick with us. We're going to sing. Sing with us. And then a few closing thoughts I want you to hear.
Aren't you glad? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Just a couple closing thoughts real quickly. 2021, all that's going on culturally around us. Don't settle for a lesser community. What does that mean? Politics are what politics are. Community goes awry when we find our identity to be our politics more than our Savior. Community goes awry when we find our identity to be our politics more than our Savior. Your identity is not your politic. Your ultimate identity is your Savior. David Brooks writes, Tribalism is the dark twin of community. Community is connection based on mutual affection. Tribalism is connection based on mutual hatred. Community is based on common humanity. Tribalism on a common foe. The tribal mentality is a warrior mentality based on scarcity. Life is a battle for scarce resources. The ends justify the means. Politics is war. Ideas are combat. Kill or be killed. So I want to call us to be careful because it's easy for our tribalisms to quickly override what we're called to. What is our primary mission in Christ Jesus? We sort ourselves into our little tribes, and when we do, we find a lesser identity, a lesser Savior. It literally takes just a click or two to find someone on the World Wide Web who will agree with our righteous assessments to fortify our positions, to justify our anger. And that empowers us to press on. It is intoxicating. It is deadly. That person that you disagree with is not a monster. He or she is a human being created in the image of God. And you have a bigger message. You have a better message. That is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we close with this benediction. 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. God bless you, church. God bless you on the live stream. Have a wonderful Sunday.